Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports Domestics Microbrews, best selection to beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies and the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. I mean, stock up now. Blue-white game tomorrow in Beaver Stadium. 75000 here. Be a part of it. It's all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Nummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Kate Scott in a moment, but first, our play-by-play call of the day. Saved by Anderson. Shot clock at 5. Jones has to make it happen. Switch. He's got the big. Jones. Yes, sir! takes the lead first time tonight. Iron Eagle, as last night, Memphis ran off 21 unanswered points and rallied and beat the T-Wolves at the Target Center last night to now lead the series two games to one. Very pleased now to bring in Kate Scott, who put together an outstanding signature call on the Joel Embiid play. Welcome, Kate. Great to have you back. Oh, Steve, it's great to be back. Happy Friday to you and everyone tuning in today. And Matt, just so you know, I can't hear Kate. Can you hear me now, uh, Great Steve. to have Can you, you hear me with now? us as well, Kate. Uh, let's, let, let, uh, on a night where the Sixers you know, are in a playoff game on the road and aren't playing maybe their best basketball, what does it say about what they have as a team that still allowed them to win that game when it wasn't the best game. Yeah, definitely. Can you hear me now, Steve? That is the question before I start into this answer. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was a huge statement game because of that fact, because of the fact that they had no business even pushing that game to overtime, let alone winning it, Steve, as I'm sure everybody watching knows, the ones that stood out to me, they had 24 turnovers that led to 27 Raptors points. They were minus 16 in points off of turnovers. They didn't have their first lead until overtime. They never led in regulation. The fact that Joel had only five points at halftime, I mean, I could keep going. The fact that Harden fouled out, even though he had a great first three quarters. This team, it seems to me, again, I've only been here for about the past, what, seven or eight months now, but from everybody who's been here for a long time, They have said teams of the past wouldn't have been able to be that resilient within a ball game. Might have been able to bounce back in the next game, but but everybody who's been around this team for a while, that uh, is what stood out the most to them. Obviously, other than Joel's game-winning shot, but just the fight that this team had to rally from 17 down in a really loud, um, (laughs) unwelcoming arena that is Scotiabank Arena. We all heard how loud it was the other night. So I was really impressed by that, and hearing everybody else be impressed by it almost need to be more impressed, if that makes any sense at all. 
It makes complete sense. Uh, you, As you've watched the season evolve, what has allowed Tyrese Maxey to become a better and better player, in your opinion, Kate? Yeah, I think he's finally following the advice that Joel gave him early in the season. Keep shooting. Be more aggressive. We need you to be the guy that we know that you can be. Um, I, I was watching back some old press conferences from December, and that's when he was asking for that. And, and since then, Tyrese has continued to put in the work, just like he did last year when he wasn't playing that much, and now obviously he's a massive part of this offense. But I think it's a, it's a credit to him the work that he's put in, and then just just kind of playing playing free. We know that that takes athletes sometimes a while to do, especially when you're a young player like Tyrese. It's easier to say than to actually do. Um, but I think now with James in the fold, the fact that he's such a different player, and when they're out there on the floor at the same time, I mean, if you're trying to defend the guards for the Sixers, you've got a guy who's trying to lull you to sleep and another guy who's one of the fastest in the NBA. So I, I don't know how you defend that. I'm glad I just have to talk about it and not do the defense. <laughs> oh, believe me, I feel that every single game. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to do it. <laughs> right? I'm glad I just have to talk about it. The uh, James Harden has been able to get himself integrated into this. Yet, yeah. And again, this is from 30,000 feet. I just feel like there's more to give on his part. Am I wrong about yeah. that, or, or, or how do you look at it? No, I, I think that James himself would agree with you on that fact, Steve. I think, it's, I think it's easy to forget, because of all the accolades that he had coming into Philly, that it takes a while for a guy to, to figure out his fit with a team. So I think the fact that he didn't start playing until the end of February, and now we're just the middle of April – and they are already playing as well as they have um, at the start of this postseason. I think he would agree. I agree with you. I think Doc and, and company would agree. Um, he is just starting to find his footing and where he best fits and how he can best make the guys around him shine. You know, I think stat-wise, it wasn't the most impressive game three, but in my opinion, I don't think they even have a chance in that second half without the first half that James had. Even though he was only, you know, at 12 points, that was a team best going into half. He had five assists. He was getting other guys involved. He's playing better defense, and I actually knew that he could play, in my opinion. So, so yeah, I, I think that uh, there's more to give, and that's why that's one of the reasons I'm trying to quell my excitement because I know it is just the beginning of the postseason. But, but not just for this postseason, for the next couple of years because I expect him to respect and I expect these these guys to just get better and better. Then there's Tobias Harris. You talk about like trying to you know know what your role happens to be and to be a star in your role. They bring in Harden, Maxie's come on, yet it looks like Tobias Harris is playing at a really good level. What are you seeing when you're sitting courtside watching him? I think he's been sensational. He's been a huge part of the the first three games of this series, and I love the confidence and aggression he's playing with. He's such a – you see him post sometimes on social media, actually pretty often over the last couple of weeks, the word vibration. And that's kind of yeah. his – that's kind of his go-to. He meditates before games, and if the vibrations are right for Tobias, uh, things can start going really well. And the vibrations are very strong right now here in Toronto. Yeah. Um, but, but again, similar to what I was saying about Tyrese, it's the work he's put in. Um, you know, great piece by my buddy Gina Mizell in the Philly Inquirer, uh, I believe it posted today, just about the sacrifice he has made since James got here. 
we've seen how he's had to change his game. He wasn't a catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter. And every day before practice and every day after practice, now he's working on that shot because he knows he's going to get a lot of those with the way that James is playing beside him. The defense that he has played since about the middle of March when, when he decided, like, I'm shutting down DeMar DeRozan in Chicago, and the Sixers yeah. were able to complete that regular season sweep. I think that really showed him that if he puts his mind to it, he can play defense against some of the big offensive players in the league. So, yeah, I think he's been sensational, and I'm excited for him to shine even brighter, hopefully Saturday and moving forward in this postseason. It is one thing to watch Joel Embiid on TV. It's another to see him game in and game out. Now that you see him game in and game out, what is, what, what is it like for you watching uh, the artistry of, jo- of Joel Embiid? I mean, Steve, you know, from, from being in the booth, from calling games, from being courtside. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple times every game where Ala and I just look at each other and say, are you kidding me? Did that Did that just happen? <laughs> that, yeah. dude, that dude, 7'2", 280, did he just do that again? I mean, obviously the most obvious case in point is the turnaround three to win the game the other night. You look like a ballerina out there. You look like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, whoever you want to, Reggie Miller, like insert the incredible guard of years past in, into that spot. And, oh, actually, it's a, a seven-foot, almost 300-pound center that's pirouetting like a ballerina out behind the three-point line. So there's such a rhythm and a fluidity and a grace to the way that this giant human being moves. And then, at the same time, flip a switch, and he's ferociously dunking the ball, and you're afraid the rim might get ripped off, and we might have another delay like we did down in Dallas earlier. In the <laughs> right, season. yeah. So I, yes. I, I think it's that combination, right, that he can be so graceful at times and then so violent at others that makes him such just an unbelievable player to watch. And, and like I said, to start that answer, Ala and I just feel so grateful because of what you said. It's a joy to get to watch him once a season, like I know so many Sixers fans do, to get, to get paid to be there, to talk yeah. about what he's doing. It's just it's phenomenal. Yeah, uh, no question. Uh there's there's an, another element to this, the matchup with Toronto. I mean, look, there's no more Leonard. There's no more Kyle Lowry. How tough is this in reality as a matchup for Toronto based on their current personnel? Yeah. Well, I think once Scotty Barnes went down in, yeah. in game one, it got a little bit easier. But, I mean, we all saw him during the regular season, even though we know the regular season and the postseason are very different beasts. But – just because of their length and the fact that they're just a bunch of six nine dudes out there playing chaos defense. You don't know what they're going to throw at you. They're double and triple teaming Joel from every day, different angle all game long. Uh, it's a lot. So I think just the fact that they are so different than the majority of teams you face, right? Same thing can be in football yeah. when all of a sudden you're facing a triple option team. They might, they might not have the same mm-hmm. skill as you, but just because they're so different than what you're used to usually facing, I think it makes it I think it makes it tough. So I think that, again, is credit to the players for, especially in game one, because the Raptors know that they don't have as much talent as Embiid and Harden and Tyrese Maxey. So usually, like a lot of lesser teams do, they try to out-hustle you, out-physical you, right? That's why they're so good at offensive rebounds and stuff. I was so impressed in game one that the Sixers beat them at their own game. I, I didn't know if that this team had it in them to just work their tails off and fight for rebounds. That's not about skill. That's just, you, you, you know what that is. That's who, who wants it more. Um, 
so I, I think this has actually turned out not not just because of the three nothing lead, but I think just because it forced the guys to flip a switch early. Um, and apologies for the truck that is trying to follow me around Toronto backing up here. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but just the fact that. It really is about getting the guys so focused and playing hard right at the start of the postseason, which sometimes takes a little while. I think that it couldn't have actually been a better start to the postseason for the Sixers because, yes, the skill has needed to be there, but the guys knew that they just had to come in and fight and scratch and claw to, to get the lead in this series. So I think that's going to bode well for them, for them moving forward. And that's a great point on your part about the ability to beat them at their own game. That really sends a message to them like, oh, great, we're playing our game, and they're beating us at our game. Uh, one final question before I let you go, and that's about Doc. He guided the Celtics to the 2008 NBA title, so he's been down this road before. What can yeah. his presence just mean, especially with some of the younger players on the team? Yeah, I think it means a lot. I mean, I think we saw at the end of the game the other night, Steve. Yeah. Having the – and he was right in front of all of me when he was sprinting down the court to call that timeout. I mean, that's just a veteran coach being there before. And he was calm, even though he was sprinting down the court to get that timeout. Little things like that make a huge difference. The fact that he was screaming at Tobias at the end of regulation after he missed the tap-in after the Danny Green miss and then kind of – Flacked on defense because he was frustrated with himself, and Doc just got into him. But Tobias has been with Doc in L.A., right? He knows the cred he has. Um, and one thing that Doc said to us a little while ago about that Boston team all those years ago, and again, no team is an exact replica of another team, but he just brought up Rajon Rondo and how he was playing with a couple of superstars on that team, right? Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, guys who were – surefire Hall of Famers, and he said, you know, Tyrese is kind of reminding me of Rajan, the fact that he has no fear, that he's getting into James and Joel, that he has the confidence now to say, I may be just starting my career in the league, but listen up, you guys. <laughs> You've been here for a while and you haven't won yet, so if you want to win, we got to do this together. Um, so I thought that was fascinating when he made that comparison uh, a little earlier in the season. So I, th- I think it means a lot. I covered, as you know, Steve, a lot of championship teams in the Bay Area while I was working yep. there, and yep. being there and the veteran leadership of a doc of a Danny Green, who was very vocal on the bench at the end of that game the other night, that matters because when you get to this point in the season, all these guys care about is getting a ring, bringing, bringing that trophy back to Broad Street and, and having a parade. So it helps when you can look at the guys who are screaming at you and say, well, I should probably listen because they've had that parade before. Well, if you want to know when somebody's at the top of their game, they make signature calls. Kate made a signature <laughs> call the other night, so one of many. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time you gave us today because I know you're busy. And phenomenal work all season, and keep it going. Appreciate you, Stephen. Apologies for the bad reception at first. I blame Toronto and uh, just Canada oh, no. in general. Always. And uh, Always. have a blast at, at the spring game tomorrow. Great. Appreciate it, Kate. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll blame Toronto for that. All yeah, right. yeah, that's just part of the wine and cheese they're still having up there from game three, so it's okay. Oh, <laughs> hey, they are. The Sixers are playing great ball. No getting around. They're the better team, but I think that's what Kate said. That's the part that is demoralizing for a team. You play your game, and then they beat you at your game. That's demoralizing. 
All right, we'll come back with, I mean, it's, it's almost like at the end of our staff meetings, like that's demoralizing. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKLK, brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. out of auto repair. Well, I'm not going to let this bumper play out. I let the last one play out because I just had no words I could possibly put to really one of the five stupidest songs I've ever heard in my life. Uh, it's just, oh. I mean, you people sing that? Yeah, after every win. Oh, geez, during those lean years, it must have been like, you know, did you forget the words? <laughs> When they were tanking it, he went, did you forget the words? Yeah, sometimes he did. But now we have yeah. to hashtag play the song. So there we go. Hashtag play the song. Yeah. All right. And your kids participate? Oh, yeah. I mean, Mark's, Mark's what, eight months old, right? He's eight, ten months, months, yes. Ten months old. I mean, he has no clue what's going on. Not yet, but he's getting there. No, no clue. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, Luke barely has a clue. Every time he sees basketball on TV, he just say, he just says Sixers, and I said, "Yeah." Okay, so no, was the Celtics are playing, you know, against the Nets. He's he's yelling Sixers. Correct. Or if I'm watching, when I was watching March Madness, he, had, just, he said Sixers. Yeah. It's, it's again no clue. <laughs> I and you're promoting this, really? <laughs> What's next? You're going to teach him how to hold up four fingers. Well, fact, we're starting I, to learn to fact, count a little fact, bit, so, you know. In fact, in a great moment, right, I have inside word. I, Miles Straw is going to lead off for the Guardians tonight, and and uh, Aaron Boone's already walked him. <laughs> he wants to set up the double play. <laughs> it's your guy. <laughs> well, actually, he may have to the way Garrett Cole's been pitching. He won't be pitching this series, but you may want to consider that. See, I mean, you want to fire everybody. You want, <laughs> Garrett Cole, you want fired now. I just want him to. I just want them to skip his next start, so we can just like move on and clear his head, and then see what happens after that. But what if he's better than the guys you got? This is different. Hey, look, but he got five good outs. <laughs> no. Oh, my Almighty! He did. <laughs> Five quality outs. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't give up a leadoff home run this time. 
Well, see, there's progress. You're becoming yeah. more of an optimist. Baby steps. I mean, you're becoming more of an optimist. I admire that. The uh, football team will go through Fast Friday. You're going to do that in the stadium tonight. In fact, that that's where I'm going to go after the show's over with. Um, James Franklin was on the show last night, and I wanted to at least start out with NIL because that is such a critical piece for any program moving forward. Whether you're for it, against it, whatever, it's just a reality. And Penn State has been able to, to really do with Andy Frank and Dan Kabbalah. They've done some great work on NIL, NIL where Penn State's feeling really good about the direction it's going in. And then at the end, the last element I, I talked to him about last night, and the reason I did this, this is stuff that people don't know. But um, NIL brings with it taxes. So they did a seminar with the players on tax preparation. They brought somebody in to go through with them on tax preparation. Next week, they're going to do another seminar, and that is on financial planning. Now, I know, look, I know you want them to win football games. I got it. That's the that's the primary deal. There's no getting around that. But let's face it. They're also trying to do a lot of other elements here within the structure of the football program that's going to benefit these guys the rest of their lives. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Ooh, it's Brewers Outlet Day. All right, stock up for the weekend. Stock up for the Blue White Game. At Brewers Outlet. Imports domestics microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills. Let's hear you in Bloomsburg. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf Online at sunburymotors.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the king. There he is. Hello? It's the king, everybody. King. How are you? Have you been all right? On this lonely, 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 lonely night. I mean, that guy's watching American Idol. I, I haven't. No. I haven't watched it in no. about two or three seasons. But I, I, I used to be like an avid watcher. I just haven't followed it lately. It's good this year. It's real good. They got some really good players. What a beautiful dress. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's really good this year. There's good contestants. It's, it's. You know, country music takes over at the end, but um, it's good. But is that anyway. is that bomb still alive? Who is that? Wasn't there like a um, a mom or two, like a young mom or two, trying to trying to make it? Is she still alive in the competition? Oh, I saw God, that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I was hit by a car. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> I'm at alive in the competition. Sorry. Um. That was a couple weeks ago. Last time I saw it. Still alive? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know about the. I don't think so because the ones left are really young, especially the girls. They're like seventeen, you know. I mean, it doesn't yeah. mean they can't have kids, but I don't think so. There's one one girl that was homeless from Alabama, and her she's from the same town as Lionel Richie, where he grew up. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, and she's good. And, I mean, they are. she's probably lost 40 pounds since it started. She looks fantastic. And he told her then, he said, you'll never be homeless again. And you knew he would take care of her. A lot of people don't realize that... Um, um, Nicole Ritchie is not his daughter. It, she he adopted her. Did you ever hear the story? No, that I didn't either. No, no. It, she he was doing a concert and he saw this young girl sitting, you know, not front row but in the crowd, and she was alone the whole night. And then when the place emptied out, she was still sitting there alone. So he went out there. And she was really in a tough situation that, like, they were babysitting her, but they got stoned and were gone. I don't know. I'm paraphrasing, but he took her and adopted her. He's a very good man, Lionel Richie. And you knew when he put his arm around this girl, he said, you'll never be homeless again. And he's been tutoring her right along, and she's in the final ten. She's good. She's real good. But... Remember that? How about Survivor? You watching Survivor? I'm over oh. two. <laughs> yeah, I'm out on that too. <laughs> There's a guy on Survivor. I'm telling you, you can play in the NFL. This guy's an awesome. Uh, you guys suck. Nobody cares about what I like to watch. So, how about 2020? You watching 2020? All the murder things. Boy, Pennsylvania's right up there. <laughs> they have a lot of 2020. You know where. Murders, cold cases, and stuff. Yeah. Pennsylvania always seems to sneak in there two or three times, buried yeah, in we the live, backyard. We, <laughs> yeah, we live here. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> Get the lingerie on the, the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> what a sports week. What do you think of the basketball? Of the NBA playoffs? Yeah, that's basketball. Uh, Sixers. Yeah. Uh, okay, they're they're overmatching a team. Let's go to the competitive stuff. Um, you know, like when they actually get into a competitive series, we'll talk. Um, but like the the best player on the Raptors would be the fifth best player on the Sixers. Yeah, right? but they're uh, one on one, right? No, no, they're up three games to none. They're uh, up three games to none now. On Toronto, yeah. Yeah, they they're looking to sweep Toronto. Toronto oh, just doesn't oh, have who's Toronto doesn't, Chicago's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, Chicago yeah, Chicago's tied yeah. at one one. Yeah. Celtics are up two games to none. The Warriors yeah, are playing the, the Warriors are playing great. I mean the Warriors are not just playing good basketball, they're playing great basketball. Is the competition strong? Uh, they're playing Denver, and Jokic is a great player. But yeah. you know, with Mur- Murray's out, Murray's out for the year with a torn ACL, so he doesn't have anybody else really out there as a running mate for him. And it's just only so much he can do because Golden State now they've added in Jordan Poole to go with Thompson, to go with Curry, to go with Green. I mean, they just un- too. Well, oh yeah, he's been out for a year and a half. Yeah, two years. And Clay Thompson's yeah. been playing well. So. Yeah. Uh, you can't. 
Yeah, good for them. I, hey, they they took a thumping last year, so yeah. But, oh, Guy Lafleur died. Oh. Yeah, boy, you want to talk about a guy that he'd fly down the ice and that hair'd be flying back yeah. there, it's flowing in the breeze. Yeah. You miss that with the helmet. I mean, you need helmets, no question. But you do miss that part where, like, the the guys are flying down the ice and boom, the hair is flying back there. And, Man, you know, there's a Jean Bouleveau, remember? I love um, the French. The, Jean Bouleveau and... Beliveau was Mario Lemieux before Mario Lemieux. A big man, yeah. graceful, great hands, good scoring touch, great passer. John Beliveau was Mario Lemieux before Mario Lemieux. Uh, and when it comes Richard. to the, oh, Rocket Richard, Andre Richard, uh, Steve Shutt, Yvonne Cornwayer, Larry Robinson. Oh, you go. On. I loved Yvonne Cornwayer. Oh, I loved Montreal when I was a kid. That was my team. Oh. Yep. And so, the Whalers yeah. came along. <laughs> oh. And then, will I ever tell you the Bill O'Brien story? Bill O'Brien and I were at the groundbreaking for the Pagula Ice Arena, so the two of us are sitting together. And he says, he says, Jonesy, I know you love hockey, huh? You know, he says, Oh yeah, I grew, you know, I grew up in the Bobby Orr era, the whole thing. He says he says, Yeah, he's still a big Bruins fan. I said, Well, I still love the Bruins. I said, But you know, I said, you know, I said, and there was a period of time I switched over to the Whalers. He looks at me and goes, The Whalers <laughs> <laughs> Everybody looks back. Oh, it kills, uh, I'm telling you, living here, it kills me. Like, Carolina's really good this year. I mean, yeah. they left Hartford and won the Stanley Cup two years later. It's like, no. God, this area no. sucks. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah, it just wouldn't support the team. Yet the Patriots thought they might want when Kraft wanted to play a game with the uh, – you know, moving the Patriots to Hartford, which was yeah. never going to happen. Oh, right. they were going to build them, you know, whatever yeah. they wanted to come here. But the yeah. Whalers, they wouldn't, state wouldn't help them out at all. So, nope, not in the least. Yeah, yeah. And when I think of Lafleur with the flowing hair, it kind of reminds me of watching Matt run. All right, so uh, <laughs> we'll <laughs> get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. We'll come back. Headlines next oh, here on News there. Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice cold 12 packs and dozens of 24 ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So, whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury wants to see you and thank you for your years of patronage. All right. Time for the headlines of the week. Well, I'm going to keep it going with the Sixers to start things off. And I, I mentioned about the uh, giving, giving the cheese to go with the wine up in uh, Toronto right now. Most of it's around Nick Nurse, who has just been going after the officials after game after game, when really Toronto has gotten a lot of calls too. I mean, the officiating has been atrocious in this series, you know, both sides, but he has been really bad with the officials and just ripping them in every press conference. So, 
if the Sixers win tomorrow, I'm going to send him some brooms with a couple of bottles of wine to keep it going. And I'll put my over-under for referee complaints in tomorrow's game from Nick Nurse at about five. Buddha's Phil, what's Philly's next, next series? If they were to win tomorrow, they would play the winner of Miami and Atlanta. Okay. Boy, the East is tough. Yeah, and look, likely Miami because Miami's up two games to none right now over Atlanta. A well-coached Miami. Yeah. yeah. I'm enjoying it. I've been watching the I've been watching the Celtics and uh, what do you call it? Oh, and Brooklyn. the Nets. Yeah. Brooklyn's out of touch. They're way out of touch. That Kai, uh, what's his name? Kyrie. Kevin Durant. Oh, Kevin Durant. Yeah. The Celtics are good. Don't underestimate them. They're huge. I hate the Celtics, but I'd love to see them win the series because I hate the Nets that much more right now. Yeah, you don't have much to worry about with the Nets. Yeah. They're not. They're so out of sync that it's a joke. So, uh. All right, Steve, what do you got? You base your rooting interest on hate? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I hate both teams. Whoops, we lost the, the king. No, I think we got him. Oh. I think he's still there, right? Nope. Nope, not there. He'll call back. Here's my headline. All right. Aaron Boone intentionally walks the first three hitters to set up a double play. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> but you know what? I'll, while waiting for King, I'll go back. Well, actually, he's calling back now. So, yeah, hang on. There you go. All right. Just got to look. I'm just having fun with it. It's just. You know, baseball has become, I mean, they're, they're their own worst enemy. <laughs> like, okay. They're their own worst enemy, baseball is. Well, we got the king back, but I'll throw in my next one then, which is I think Mickey will get three, hit number 3,000 tonight. He's still at home. They got the Rockies tonight, and then all this will end. King. Well, if he does, it's really important in this regard. Remember, um, He'll be the seventh player of the tens of thousands of guys that have played Major League Baseball. He'll only be the seventh one ever to have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. I guess it's 3,000 hits. I mean, whatever. King, what do you got? Uh, Who's the next moron to tease Mike Tyson and get punched out? (laughs) I wonder if he's in Myrtle Beach. (laughs) uh... Did you see that video? I didn't see it, but I mean, I've, I saw the story. So yeah, you. Oh my gosh! The guy, the guy was drunk, and he's teasing him, and he's going, "He's really pissing me now," you know. And the next scene, and all you hear is his, you hear Mike's fist hit his face, and Tyson was just sitting there. He wasn't bothering. He took a selfie with the kid. He was nice to him, you know, and then he wanted to be left alone. The guy wouldn't leave him alone. He kept, like, throwing stuff at him and teasing him, and Mike had enough. He got up and punched him out. <laughs> so, I don't blame him in this instance. No, because Tyson was, did the, you know, did the, yeah, sure, I'll do a selfie with you and all that stuff. Now, uh, you know, it, now I'm on an airplane, you know, in coach. <laughs> so, whatever. That's my my thing to see who. Well, man, you gotta be crazy. Yeah, you gotta be some sort of. Yeah, unbelievable I mean the idiot. guy's a, he's 
and he's older now, but my God, he can throw a punch and knock you to mid to tomorrow. So there you go. And the kid, I, the kid asked for it, and I, a lot of people think, oh, you know, you can't do that, Apple. You know what? You're going to be that stupid. You deserve to get smacked around. Probably a cockroach cowboy fan. Steve, what do you got? (laughs) Based on watching the blue-white game, fans will call for their quarterback to be the quarterback. (laughs) See, you know what? That's sort of what I've got here for my last one. On Monday, we're either going to be talking panic or we're going to be talking major hype. If any of the freshman quarterbacks either light it up or stink up to play Saturday. So, I'm yes, you, I, I'm with you there get, on that get, one. Guess who, guess who won't be panicked? Mr. 45 heart rate. I, you know, it's like I I always tell this story about Daryl Clark and Pat Devlin. Devlin had a great blue-white game, all right? And Clark was like, yeah. And I knew after three practices – Clark was the starter. He's just better. Right? And somebody said, I kept hearing over and over again, oh, Devlin's going to get it. And I said, I finally, you're polite for a period of time, and then you sit back and go, just hold on. I said, I saw the other 14 practices. <laughs> I say, okay. There you go. King? Uh, if a freshman is really good, don't you think he should play? <laughs> Not when Just, you have a 60-year quarterback who's yeah. good and who would have brought you yeah, to the playoffs good, probably. If you, with him. Well, yeah, he got hurt last year. That Penn, uh, Penn State would have would me, be a different me, conversation if Sean Clifford let, didn't get hurt against Iowa. Let me put it to you this way, okay? And watching the th- previous 13 practices with 14 tonight, the current order is correct. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, we'll find out tomorrow. See, this is my problem with it, is if the freshman doesn't play, he's going to transfer. And there's too many of these players taken off. And then what are you going to have next year? Well, they got two of them. So it's, you know. Well, they could both leave. You know, they've got to change that rule, man. They have to change that rule because these guys want to play. And now you open the door for them to play. I would be very surprised if either one of them left in the next year. I'd be oh, very I surprised. I would agree. Right. I want I mean, Penn just State in, just, in the Final Four, and they're going to have yeah. to make a move to get there. So, right. uh, Yeah, but look, based on watching and observing, I can tell you the current order is the correct order. There you uh, go. Okay? That's just as somebody who watches every day. If I thought they needed to make a change, I'd privately tell you they need to make a change. But right now, no. Well, I don't think Clifford would have stayed a six-year if he didn't think he was going to start. So, yeah, exactly but you have right. to. Earn, but you have to earn it, though. Right? There's no doubt. Just in watching, who has the command, who understands what to do, where to go, why. You know, he's the one that knows all that stuff. Yeah, six years. So. Well, fourth, yeah, but his fourth different system. At least he's had a, an offensive coordinator for two consecutive years for the first time in his career, so that helps. Right. He's not right. out. He's not out there learning a new system again for the first time in his career. That's huge. All right, King, you got another one. Uh, let's see. Where will Baker Mayfield land this week? Mm. 
That's oh, true. Yeah. You got him, Debo Samuel, maybe. I don't know. But those are two well, names to watch during the week leading up to the draft. The, uh, Samuel with um, Garoppolo so, yeah. going as a package. Mm. Oh. That would be something. I mean, yeah. It's going to be an interesting week. I yes, think Baker Mayfield got screwed. Uh, I know that guy played hurt. I know a lot of people don't like him, but he played hurt all year. When you talk about hurt, you hurt your shoulder. That is major league pain. And he played through it. And then they go and bring in uh, this guy, and he's like the hero. That's, he can't even play. So. If I'm Baker, here's, I demand a trade and get out of there. So. Here's my here's my headline: The Eagles draft not one but two more TCU receivers in the first round. In the first round, there's a lot of good receivers out there. Uh, yeah, but not, class. <laughs> but not a TCU. But not a TCU. And I'll be keeping the purple thing going by getting more Motrin. <laughs> That's the NFL. They'll surprise you. So, but Giants will stink again. So off we go. Oh, no! I mean the Giants. I mean they they could be in a prime position to get either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young next year. They got to get somebody, that, that, or they're going to lose uh, the running back, and they, what a wasted career. So yeah, it, he's so good, and he ended up on a crappy team. So. Kadarius Tony's turning into a disaster. He's not even at practice yet to start off the offseason. Uh, I don't get these guys. Yeah, yeah. Just so you know, Jalen Rager's practicing. He's still not good. All right. Uh, oh, so. yeah. And now you got J.J. Ortega-Whiteside trying to go to tight end. It's, well, you still have to catch the ball. But This is whatever. your team. <laughs> Feel the love. <laughs> They'll draft not one, but two TCU receivers in the first round. Uh, Why? Just to spite you. (laughs) (laughs) When I'm going in, this is one of the more open-mindedness I've had for for going into this draft, because I I would be fine with many different ways that I go. But, yeah, that would put me over the edge. This draft has a lot of really good players. Yeah. but, But, really, the quarterbacks are not among it. There are no running backs. So you've got a lot of good players at a lot of different positions. Yeah. Where do you think the Penn State wide receiver is going to go? Uh, Green Bay or Kansas City? I say Green Bay. Oh, man, he's in a good.